and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike tried his coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny Jason Stark <laughs> is against humanity. Take away the human elements of Starkville. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I read about baseball for The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. And we do this every week. So if you enjoy listening, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a fan of our show, it would be really cool if you would also give us a review. We would appreciate it. So, Doug, it's not quite October on the calendar, but it is time for the strangest postseason in history. Do you know it's possible we could see 24 games this week in like 80 hours? Eight, we could have eight in a day, two days in a row. I uh, just wondered if you have any f- good strategies for how you can watch all those games at once. Well, it takes a skilled, multi-layered uh, approach. And uh, so this <laughs> is a uh, picture in picture, in picture in picture. We start there. Then we throw uh, the phone, which has its own picture inside of its picture. I also have headphones listening to the radio. Am I up to eight games yet? I'm up to like seven, so that's pretty good. And then maybe another big screen TV. And then on top of that, then I go into studio where there's already 12 screens. So I'll, I'll bring my own eight and then 12, and then I will try to listen to them all at once. I will hear none of them. But the beautiful pictures going across the screen with people in motion, that will be enough for me. And then I'll fill in my own commentary. And then I'll have to read it all over again when they're done. Yeah, that's about it. I, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> but I think you're watching 20 games at once, even though there's only eight. Yeah, I'm going to try it. That's quite, that, yeah. It's excellent multi multi. Well, I got to go historic. So I got to go back to looking back at some of these teams' histories at the same time. So uh, it's going to take a lot of energy, but um, I'm going to pull it off. Yeah, like people like us, who we, like we're not honing in on any specific game. We're trying to take it all in. Like that baseball tonight experience of having all the games going at once and realizing that there are certain times and certain moments that you need to pay more attention. It's going to come in handy because it is sensory overload. <laughs> Except it's the postseason. Okay. I, I don't know. We've never really quite done anything like this. I can't wait. And you know who else can't wait, Doug? It's our very special guest this week. One of our favorite people on this planet, Tim Kirkshin. Tim, welcome to Starkville, my friend. Very excited to have you here. Well, honored to be here, boys. And to be here on opening day of the playoffs is uh, as good as it gets for me. So let's get the game started, please. (laughs) Yeah, right? Now, Tim and I are... uh, two of these lunatics whose favorite thing about baseball is that 
Something weird is going to happen every day of the baseball season, and it's our job to tell you just how weird that was. So I can't, here's a funny thing that happened to me a couple of years ago. I tweeted some crazy note about something. I don't even remember what. But a guy tweeted back at me. He said, you're becoming the next Tim Kirkshen. So, Tim, that's my goal in life. I want to be the next Tim Kirkshen. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that Jason taught me so many things about how to look for things and where to look for things. I was always pretty good at this as a little kid even, but Jason was the expert on this. He preceded me in every way, so he taught me how to look for weird stuff. He taught me who to call when something really funny was necessary, like Larry Anderson or Andy Vance Light. So I owe most of my strange eccentricities in this game to Jason Stark, not the other way around. <laughs> all right, we better reveal this to America. It's all our fault. <laughs> <laughs> the record is set now. Yeah. It's been set. Right. All right, well, look, look, let, let's let's talk about this wild card round, Tim. Uh, like, there's a possibility ESPN could televise as many as 21 games here in the next few days. Is it true you're going to be in the booth for all 21? No, no. I'm doing the first game, which I'm thrilled beyond words about. And it's great because I'm going to be sitting next to Carl Ravage, like four feet away from him, six wow. feet away, as opposed to sitting in my house where I did 12 games with Ravi in Connecticut, Eduardo Perez in, in Miami, and the game in California. That was so <laughs> difficult to do. I ran all over those guys the first night it was a block or a charge like six or seven times during the night it was terrible so to to sit next to another human being and speak to him is great and i haven't said can you hear me can you see me in, in about a week which is such a pleasant experience so yes i'm starting with the twins and then the twins and astros and then tomorrow i will do a double header twins and astros during the day Dodgers and Brewers at night. So that should be an interesting day tomorrow. Yeah. All right. I want, I want to ask you about that. But first, all right, you did all these games where you guys weren't even in the same city, let alone the same booth, as you just said. What was the craziest thing that happened trying to do games that way? Did you have like somebody walk in the room during a game? Did you miss a st steal of home? Anything? <laughs> well, I was doing a Yankee Rays game and my iPad went out during the open as we go on TV, all that matters is the open if you nail the open you're fine mine went completely dark but the audio wow. was still working so i had to continue talking and miraculously i got through that meanwhile eduardo and ravi who understand how technically unsavvy i am they're, they're laughing out loud during the open that their poor partner lost the feed. He, I, I was completely in the dark. I finished it. It was all over. I don't know. It was it was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I looked like a skeleton, like hovering around, like an apparition. It was awful. But I got through it, and we had a big laugh about it. So that was easily the stupidest thing that happened. Camera went dark in the open. <laughs> That's good. Really I was, well. you know, I was on MLB Network just last week doing doing a segment on my iPad, and I got a call, like while I was reading my trivia question. 
complicated it shows up on the iPad. So I had no idea whether I was still right. talking on the air or whether right. I should answer the phone. Or what. I'm not. I just kept going, just like you did, because you don't know what to do. You just do it. Uh, See, you guys don't have like little children that I right. have. So my issues are people just breaking in at any given time, you know, uh, looking for popsicles. And so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's any, anything goes. But I, I think people culturally kind of accept like, you know what, random things might happen and we just all have to roll with it. Uh, especially in media, it's just, it, it's absolutely bananas. I still think our most fun thing that's happened on this podcast was Drew Carey's dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> While we were talking about the dog pound at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, the dog started barking. Awesome. <laughs> All right, we we got to talk about October a little bit here. All right, Tim, you're doing two postseason series at once. It's hard enough to do one. How are you going to do two at once? Well, that's a good question. I'm uh, I'm going to take them one series at a time. I'm going to take them one game at a time. I don't have a choice here. I re I really want to see you do two games at the same time. Yes, simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be like un that would be unprecedented. Why not? It's 2020. Yeah. You know, just do both games. I'd be like Joel Youngblood. I'd play <laughs> two teams in the same day and get a hit yeah. for both teams. Right. Be great. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, t well, now, you know, be also thankful where you're not jumping on a plane, right? Because normally you try to do these games, even back to back days, especially like opening week, right? You're, you're jumping on a plane. So, what about your travel stories that we kind of miss now? What are some of the craziest travel stories uh, that you had along the, ro along the road here? Well, th thank goodness I haven't had to, I haven't been on a plane since March, which is uh, a delight. And I can drive here to Bristol. But all my travel stories involve Eduardo Perez. <laughs> He's unbelievable. He leaves, if his flight's at 7 o'clock, yep. he will leave for the airport at 5 till 6. <laughs> like fifth, an hour and five minutes before the plane's going to take Absolutely. off. He is going to drive to the airport, <laughs> turn in his rental car, and still make the flight. I said, Eduardo, how can you be this calm? I'm a nervous wreck. I leave like four hours early. I'm sitting at the gate with two and a half hours before we board because I'm so nervous. And Eduardo looks at me and he goes, well, I'm Latino. We don't worry about anything. Really? Is that it? I didn't know that. If I was Tim Lopez, I wouldn't worry. Is that the point? So all my travel with him has been, and I always think as long as I'm with Eduardo, we're going to be fine. We had a flight in Chicago one night. There was 0% chance that we were going to make that flight. Eduardo goes up to a total stranger working at the airport and says, we're on TV. You have to let us to the front of the line. And they said, come on, let's go. And we made the flight. I would have missed it by 45 minutes if it were just me. But I was with Eduardo, whose number one thing is just act like you've been there before. Act like you know what you're doing. That's my problem. I act like I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, that's, you know, that's why I got TSA pre-check was because of John Chambi. I was, I was still doing the traditional go through the thing and he's waiting on the other side, cup of coffee. I was like, okay, I got to get this thing, you know, TSA. So yeah, Eduardo is, he's a magician, man. He's a magician. Yeah, Tim is, Tim is good at this, Doug. I want you to know, like we've, Tim and I have covered many Octobers together and he would be leaving for the airport before I would leave the press box. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that right? It's true, Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, look, I haven't missed a flight in 35 really? years, okay? And I don't plan on it because you guys know the worst feeling in the world is you just missed your flight. Now you have to go stand in line with 400 other people and get a new ticket. So I don't miss any flights that I can possibly make. I've had flights canceled and all that. But uh, when in doubt, get to the airport early. That's my motto in life. Yeah, well, glad it works for you. <laughs> I've... I, I did. I slept through a flight during the 2006 NLCS. I, like, I never have done that, but it was just, I don't know if you remember that series. Like, it was, it was Mets Cardinals. There was, like, there was just nonstop rain and weather issues. We were at the park forever, like, every night. And uh, the, there was, so there was no travel day. That was the worst part. Okay. There was, it was a day with no, travel day and i finally staggered back to the hotel at four in the morning and i had a flight at eight and the alarm went off or no i woke up i somehow forgot to set the alarm and the alarm went off it was quarter to eight and i thought i'm not gonna make this <laughs> okay so, so i i had to get there because the game was that night and i called our espn travel and there was just no way to do it from three different airports in new york and i said oh what about philadelphia and she said, oh, yeah, I can get you there from Philadelphia. So I thought, this will be awesome. Like, I actually get to go home on the off day coming back. So wouldn't you know? So I drove to Philadelphia, made the flight, got there in time. Wouldn't you know that there was a that the, there was a rain out in St. Louis, too? So going back, I had to fly to Philadelphia and then drive to, all the way to, to Queens. <laughs> so I could, oh, so I could met, get to the game. Oh, boy. Anyway, it's, enough of that. Let, can we talk about these series you're covering? Um, what do you think the chances are of an upset in either one? Like Astros, Twins. I, I love the Twins to make a deep run, but there's something about the Astros that I can't. We've see, we just seen too much in these postseasons to think they're not going to go down easy. And I feel the kind of the same way about the Brewers. When you have these postseason games that, that always seem like they come down to bullpens, I know that I trust the back of the Brewers' pen more than I trust the current edition of Kenley Jansen. So what do you think, Tim? Yeah, well, nothing's going to be easy in this postseason for any team because nothing has been easy this season for anyone playing, covering the game. That's just the way it works. So we should be prepared for anything to happen in this postseason, given the regular season we just had. I think the Astros ha are going to have a hard time with the Twins, in part because <laughs> even just the road record, the the Astros have the worst road record of any team ever to make the playoffs. And the Twins have the best home record of any team since the 1975 Reds, who might be the greatest National League team of all time. So you start there, and then you just look, and no Verlander, no Garrett Cole, no uh, no closer. I mean, they're missing a lot of people on the Astros and they're just not the same offensive team. But am I going to say, Oh, well, the twins are definitely win. There is nothing definite here. And I think the Dodgers are the best team in the national league. They played over 700 baseball and the brewers don't have their two best pitchers healthy and lined up. But again, the, the Dodgers, anyone could win a three game series, even though the Dodgers went, to the 13th series of the year this year before they lost one. So I have to stay with the Dodgers here, and I'm going to stay with the Twins. But is an upset possible? It's October baseball. Anything. I know you made possible. a bunch of predictions. What, what's your upset pick for the, the wild card round? 
<laughs> you know, I think I did like 10 <laughs> sets of predictions. So I didn't make them what? all the same. <laughs> That's a Granville I, technique. I, yeah, I'm not even sure there is an upset pick. Um, in other words, I didn't. I don't have the Jays beating the Rays or the Brewers beating the Dodgers. I went pretty much chalk on everything. And, I mean, there are a couple series I just can't figure out. The Reds starting pitching against the Braves yeah. offense. I mean, please, tell me who's going to win that one. So I, I'm, I'm throwing everything in a hat and saying, just pull it out here. Other than the Dodgers, I have no idea what's going to happen. And isn't that why we cover the sport? When LeBron touches it, on every possession he pretty much guarantees how the game is going to be played but it doesn't work that way here which is why we love october yeah, tim so kirchner our special guest he has no idea <laughs> what's yes, gonna happen right. Right. no and predictions I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I hate it when people say yeah i know exactly what's gonna happen here no you don't baseball is too good it does not allow you to think that i know i love it well what about so what about the fairness of it you know dodgers have this incredible 700 season and then you know they're a one seed in this weird 2020 scenario and then they could get knocked out by just a couple of good starts by anybody so how, how have you felt about you know the equity of this season well, of course, it would be unfair if that happened, but this entire season has been unfair, and there's no complaining allowed given that we're, we're going to finish the season. Everyone has to recognize how bizarre this has been, how extraordinary this situation has been. So no player, no team is allowed to complain about anything <laughs> because we're actually – it looks like going to finish the season when a lot of people didn't think we'd even get it started. So that would be unfortunate for the Dodgers. I think it's a much greater inequity if you play 162 games. In the Dodgers' case, you win, let's say, 115 of them, and then you get knocked out in a three-game series. That would be way more unfair, and that's why I'm sorry I'm not in favor of the 16 playoff teams next year. It takes away from the integrity of the 162 game season but in a 60 game season all bets are off all right well let me ask let's play multiple choice here how many teams should be in the baseball postseason next year i'll i'll give you 16 as a choice even though you've already rejected it 16 14 12 or let's say two <laughs> retro all right I'm staying with the I'm staying with the number. I'm staying with ten. It wasn't even one of the works. choices. <laughs> I know. All right, it, I, I'll go twelve, but I'm not going any higher than twelve. Look, Jason, you chronicle this stuff better than anyone. We have two sub five hundred teams in the playoffs. We'd only have one sub five hundred team in the playoffs in the history of baseball. Now we have two this year, and we'll have a sub five hundred team. Next year, perhaps, if we put 12 teams in the playoffs. So I, I know it's a weird year, but it's not particularly noble that some of those teams were fighting for playoff spots and fighting to get to 500. I just think it's the integrity of the game is, is greater than uh, how many playoff teams we have. And I think the regular season is still important. If we're going to make them play 162 games, then it really has yeah, to matter. Yeah, I, I do think that, that looking at, hey, the Dodgers-Brewers series is the perfect example of why you cannot go 16. Okay, the Brewers finished in fourth place. 
They never spent one second of this season we just had with a winning record. Okay? Like, and now they're going to play a team that has the greatest winning percentage of any National League team since the 1906 Cubs. And there's really no reward for the Dodgers for doing that, right? Like they do get to play in their in their stadium with no people in it. Uh, I don't think <laughs> right. this is right. Um, there, there's got to be more at stake in the regular season. And Tim, I, like I've I've written this, I've told people in baseball this. I think if you're going to do this and not le- at least have first round buys, the first place team should only have to win one game in the best of three, and the the other team, the second place team or the wild card team, should have to win two. Do you like that? Wow. Bold. Yeah, I, I look again for this year. Uh, I don't care what they do. If they put the Pirates in. <laughs> I wouldn't care. <laughs> this season has been so ridiculous. But thank goodness we're going to finish it. But I repeat, it is not fair to play that many games and then have to play a three-game series right out of the box. This is baseball. The Pirates can sweep the Dodgers in front of fans at Dodger Stadium. It happens. But bad teams never went into the Chicago arena and beat Michael (laughs) Jordan on his home court. It is impossible for that to happen. But in baseball, anything is possible. And that's why I think if, if I have the best record in 162 games, I am going to get a break to start the playoffs, to line up my pitching and do everything else. You're right, Jason. Absolutely no benefit whatsoever to the Dodgers going 43 and 17. Well, and Tim, what well, what about the wild card as we just have known it? I mean, it was a one-game elimination, and you ran into Jake Arrieta, and good luck, go home. So, I mean, did you have, uh, you know, what was your feelings about the one-game sudden death kind of elimination? Well, at first I didn't like it, of course, because I'm old, and it takes me time to change my mind on things. But I have come around on a lot of things, and I think it's kind of cool. We get a Game 7 feel to the playoffs on October 1st with a one-game playoff. And I'm sorry, I just said the, the integrity of the regular season is so important. <laughs> but if it is, then just finish in first place and you don't have to worry. You're right, Jason. A fourth-place team under 500 really shouldn't be in the playoffs. But that's the way it goes. And the Marlins, a different subject, God bless them. I don't know how they made it, but they've been outscored by – 41 yeah. runs. And Jason, what was your what was your stat on the the number of runs they lost games they, by in the month right, of September? Right, they lost a game by 20, by 15, by 11, and by 10 in September. <laughs> There's only been one other <laughs> right, and they, they made the playoffs. There's only been one other team uh in the World Series era that has done that in any September. And incredibly, that team won the World Series. It was the 2000 oh, Yankees, wow. but they were bored. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true. They're already so far ahead. Marlins used nine different starting pitchers in their first awesome. nine games. They used 27 <laughs> different pitchers in their first nine games. I asked, is that a record? It was It was laughable. I even asked. Of course it's a record. No one's ever done anything like that. And for them to recover and make the playoffs. They made 40 fun. roster moves in a week. <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, they changed look, 17 we, we, players on their team between games we, and won both games. We have Don to, Mattingly didn't even know who yeah, the players right. were on the team. They're playing. Now. Look, we have to we have to we have to give a shout out to the witness protection program. Okay, let's just <laughs> let's just leave it at that. You know, we don't know who these guys were. That's fine. They they want it. Give them credit. 
Right. It reminds me of when Chuck Finley pitched for the Indians. And one year they used like 35 pitchers. So he held a little competition among the pitchers. Who can name the most pitch, most number of pitchers that played for the team? And Finley won. He got like 29 right out of many. He missed on seven guys who pitched for the team. He forgot about him. And then he said, and then there was the debate. We couldn't figure out if it was if the guy's name was Kane Davis or Davis Kane. It was, a, it was an argument. So that's no, his name was Kane Davis. So we should have done that with the Marlins. Name the Marlins from the guys who were there all year. If anyone was Could there. Michael all Hill year. name every Marlin. That's what I want to know. <laughs> right, exactly. I think, I 171 roster moves. <laughs> that's a that's a lot. Uh, all right, like, while we're on this topic, let like let's talk about this season that we just finished now as we've mentioned earlier you and i are so similar in just what we love about baseball my motto for this whole season has been embrace the weirdness and my friend there has been a lot to embrace okay now now later on this show doug and i are going to pick our favorite strange but true moment of the year but like we can't have tim kirchen stop by starkville and not ask yes what was your favorite Quirk gin of 2020. <laughs> well, I, I really have. First off, I have an unhealthy obsession with uh, uh, home run leaders for each letter of yeah. the alphabet. <laughs> okay. I'm the only idiot in the world that cares about that. But Edwin Encarnacion passed Daryl Evans this year for the most home runs with the last letter of E. <laughs> And a couple of years ago, Justin Upton and Ryan Zimmerman took over the lead for those letters in the same season. Nice. It was great. And I still not believe that the H number, the H letter, is by guys with the same name. They have a tie, Ryan Howard and Frank Howard at 382. Wow. So there is a change in the 26-man list here, or 25 since there's no X. I mean, to me, it's like it's like a Supreme Court change. <laughs> it's that important that we have a new E leader. So th- that's where I'm going with that. And then the other thing, I love triple plays. I always have. Ian Happ played first base for the tenth time in his entire career and took part in a triple play. <laughs> Mark Grace never took part in a triple play with the Cubs. Neither did Anthony Rizzo. And with other teams, neither did Steve Garvey or Fred McGriff, or Rafael Palmero, and those guys all combined played like 8,000 games. <laughs> and Ian Happ played ten, his 10th game at first base and took part in a triple play. Those are the kind of things where you just slap your forehead and you go, how in the world did this happen? But Jason, tell us about the Caleb Fieldbar. What, what was that? All right, Explain all right. Like I, wa- I want to talk to you about the extra inning rule, the man on second rule, because like for people like us, lovers, of these moments when like things have never happened before. That rule was a gift that just kept on giving, okay? Um, and there's a million crazy things that happened because of the extra inning rule. But our friend Patrick Royce from Minnesota, just he had another one. This was from the very last game of the year. All right, I got to look at my notes here. I don't want to get this wrong. Okay, um, this was the last game of the season. It went extra innings. The Reds beat the Twins 5-3. to three. The losing peach pitcher for the Twins was Caleb Thielbar. Here's what he did in that game. He pitched the ninth inning. Game was tied. Got the Reds out 1-2-3 with a strikeout. 
Now they go to the 10th. The ghost runner trots out to second base. Doug Glanville called him, invented that term, right? The ghost runner. And so, <laughs> all right, so it. out comes Caleb Fieldbar again. He faces the first hitter. He gets him out. He leaves the game. All right, now here comes Sergio Romo in. He, he goes single, single, walk, walk. He, out he goes. Next pitcher comes in, gives up another hit. So the relief pitchers allow five straight hitters to reach base. Who gets the loss? The guy who let no hitters reach base. <laughs> okay. Just because he happened to be standing there when they put a runner on second base. Tim, discuss this. Yes. Uh, Patrick texted me like the minute this happened. Outrage that yes. Caleb Fieldbar got a loss in a game in which he allowed absolutely no one to reach base. And this is the danger. And I'm all for this rule this year. Like so many things, I'm all for this rule, but I'm not in favor of this next year. We'll get to that some other time, but I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. This could ever happen, but I was around when Pedro Martinez pitched the nine inning, perfect game, nothing, nothing. And he started the 10th inning and he gave up a hit to Bip Roberts and they took him out of the game. Let's just say someone had a perfect game going through nine innings. And then they, they sent him out there in the 10th. And suddenly there's a runner on second when he hasn't allowed anyone on. First batter butts him to third. Next guy hits a fly ball. Next guy strikes out. Pedro Martinez faces 30 hitters, gets them all out, loses the game because, as, as Doug said, there's a ghost runner at second. And right field is closed and pitcher's hand. I know all of those things from growing up as a dumb kid in Maryland, but it's just that's why this rule – I'm in favor of it this year because let's just do whatever it takes to get these games in and get them over. But next year, it's a bad idea. All right, well, I, I like it. So I, here's hey, I want to do something that uh, I I did last week on on our friend Brian Kenny's show on MLB Network. Let let's take these new rules this year and let's vote on them whether we want them back. The three of us, okay? You want to do that? All right. Uh, extra inning rule. Tim is already a no. Doug, what do you got? Right. No. I'll say no. Oh, I'm I'm a yes. I like it. No, I, 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 I do want, I do want some the ability parameters. Of this, Can we like put some parameters? Other times, a scorer needs to do an intervention. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, right. And in a situation like that, the scorer needs to say no. Caleb Fieldbar cannot get that loss. He had Sergio Romo right. should be the losing pitcher. Okay, but the games were interesting. Uh, Tim, I know how, how well you know uh, Morgan Ensberg, who manages in the Rays chain. He used the he has an expression for these games. I think th I thought it was great. He said it's half court baseball, and it's awesome. And, j and that just means there's so many strategic decisions that take place immediately when extra innings begins, and it, it makes extra innings more interesting to me. So I'm 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 in. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, if you add par you know parameters, I don't, I don't know. I think, well, look, all three of us love writing, right? So, and I, I struggle with explaining how someone got there, right? I, I have trouble like the narrative of how a person appeared, and if it, if I think it, it could be done by uh, my toddler, then I say something's wrong. Or you just drop someone on the chessboard and say, "I'm going to put like Buzz Lightyear in the middle of a chessboard. <laughs> Why not?" Right? So I think that's a. Uh, so that's what I struggle with. I understand all the rationale, and maybe if they, maybe after the tenth or eleventh or something, uh, I can't. First of all, I can't take credit for Ghost Runner, uh, but I, yeah, I've definitely repeated a lot. And I, I made Base Angel was one of mine, Base Angel or Invisible Appearance, you know, things like that. But, um, 
but yeah, that that's my my beef. You know, we had yeah. like I I like the weirdness. I like the weirdness of it. I I've told the story of this show before, but one day, sun on a Sunday morning, Joey Wendell from the Rays texted me and he said, "Hey, you would know this. I think I might have made history. I was the I was the I was due up to hit third in the top of the eleventh last night, but I never." batted because there was a double play right so we only took two batters and the inning was over has that ever happened before hell no <laughs> right it's like the two, the two up three down inning like i think this is hilarious we had that game the yankees mets game uh, uh it was at city field where uh, the yankees go line drive strikeout to end the top of the 10th then second pitch in the bottom of the 10th walk off homer so the top and the bottom of the <laughs> inning total of three hitters like i'm all in on this tim i am i just am okay talk to you into it yet no no sorry Uh, i'm almost as old as you jason i just grew up in a time where you're supposed to play the game till it's over and we're so interested in getting the games over now i'm not i'm not sure i understand Uh, why all right okay um well here it is let's we should move on what if we should do some other rules universal dh yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. Bring it back or not, Tim? I'm in favor of it, but I'm also in favor of getting rid of it completely. I just want the same set of rules in each league. I don't care if the pitchers have to bat. I kind of like that. I just want the same set of rules. But logically, uh, we're going to play with the universal DH for the rest of time, and I think it's okay. It gives, it gets the pitchers off their feet, and it, it keeps them healthier. And on a day when you want to take your best hitter and give him a day off but still get him for at-bats, I think that's the way to do it. So I'm all in favor of the universal DH moving forward with, again, the warning. Uh, if you get rid of it in both leagues, I'm okay with that too. Just give me the same set of rules. Doug? Yeah, I, I agree with Tim. The consistency at this point. I mean, I played in the first year of like interleague series, Cubs, White Sox, and once you started to break that barrier, it became like, well, what's the difference? I mean, you, you play these teams all the time. There's no surprise in the World Series anymore, where you go, oh wow, American League, National League, which was so cool growing up. <clears throat> but since that's already gone, if you're gonna have all this cross pollination of leagues, then just just be consistent. I, I mean, I, look, I appreciate the. Like playing my most of my career in the National League, I valued the strategy of you know the pitcher hitting and knowing when to get ready and kind of thinking with the manager and double switches and it kept you really dynamically active. I found as a when I was on the bench at different times or you know different. So playing the American League the year in Texas was like otherworldly. It was sort of like okay, run the pitcher out there until his arm falls off or whatever. And uh, and yeah, there's strategy to that, but I I did like it. So the consistency is what I what I value the most, and I think it's time to kind of make a decision. I think the DH works has worked well this season, so I have no problem with keeping it. Boy, <laughs> I I am not agreeing with you guys in anything. I I do not want the universal DH back. I know I'm going to lose on this, but um, there's a couple reasons. One is like everybody act like oh well, this made the game way more entertaining. National League DHs, last, I just looked this up the other day, we're hitting 234. Last year, Zach Grinke hit 280 and slugged 580. <laughs> okay. So, like, Madison Bumgarner had multiple seasons where he hit better than these National League DHs. So, I didn't like that. Um, outside of the Braves, where Marcelo Zuna was tremendous, 
Like most teams didn't even have a DH. Okay, no team started the same guy at DH forty times in sixty games. It was just a it was just a way to get guys rest, but keep them in the lineup. And the third thing is name me one thing that any nationally DH did that was anywhere near as entertaining as Bartolo Colon's homer. I'll wait. Go ahead. <laughs> Name me one thing. No, Jason, I'm with you. I just said I like it when the pitchers hit. For Madison Bumgarner to have as many career grand slams, too, as Derek Jeter and Pete Rose combined, think about that. How is that possible? But that note doesn't exist if we have the universal DH. So if I were in charge, I'd get rid of it completely. But I repeat, even more important than that, I need the same okay. set of rules. Okay. That's all. Well, you're supposed to, yeah. and, and you're, and Jay, you're going to get bit by the small sample size. But that's the beauty of pitchers, right? They are small sample size hitters, and uh, and look, I, I think it gives everybody the sense of what they could possibly do if they kind of rolled it from work and was in a big league game and and Bartolo Colon. You know, I, I think it does make it relatable. Um, and that, and look, as a player, that I, you know, baseball has that special ability to feel relatable because like I would go home after major league seasons and I'd see high school teammates and they're like, yeah, I could have made it, but you know, I sprained my ankle in 12th grade and that's why, you know, everybody kind of thinks that you're right there and baseball does need to retain that. I think the pitchers hitting did accomplish that. Uh, but you're, but uh, yeah, like you said, the, the, the small sample size, which is 2020, has opened up this idea of like, wow, the Blue Jays would have sold everybody at a certain point. They're like, wait a minute, we're in this. <laughs> and I think that's some somewhat speaks to pitchers hitting. Uh, but I think now the cat's out of the bag. It's going to be tough to put that back All right. in. All right, well, one, one more. Let's try to do this quick. Seven inning games. Tim, bring it back or not? Uh, no. Uh, I think we should play nine innings every game. I think we should play until somebody wins. I think we should play it like we've been playing it for the last 140 <laughs> years. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just, this is not softball. This is not American Legion, okay? This isn't even the minor leagues. This is the big leagues. If we're going to play and call it the highest level of game ever, then it needs to play nine innings. I'm sorry. I understand the time of game and how long things take. I totally understand. I understand the risk, the injury factor, and everything else. But these games don't take forever because we're playing nine innings. They take forever because <laughs> of all the balls, home runs, and strikeouts. We're missing the point on why the games take so long. And just to play seven innings doesn't do it for me. And you throw a no-hitter in seven innings, you don't get a no-hitter. You get a perfect game for seven innings, you don't get a perfect yeah. game. So how can that be a legitimate game if you don't even get a no-hitter for retiring everybody? Exactly. I don't get Doug? it. Oh, yes. No, seven inning, uh, not liking it. I played a seven inning triple header in the minor leagues. Yes. Uh, 20, I think one went extra innings on top of that. So it was weird. It was crazy. Uh, I did go four for 10. So that was a good day. But um, yeah, I just no. I'm saying no. Uh, because here's the thing, Tim, just like you said, I, I what I am worried about, and maybe this is the old school thing, is that we, sometimes we're backing into rules because we're not addressing some things, right? Core things, right? We're we're kind of like like I think the tenth inning runner is like that. It's like, well, we become such a bullpen world, and we're using seventy five pitchers to get through nine innings, so we don't we're gonna run out of bullpen, so we got to cut the game short. You're kind of backing <laughs> into that. 
because it's like, well, you know, but if you had, hey, Steve Carlton versus Tom Seaver, you didn't have that problem. You didn't run out of pitchers. Um, so I think that's sometimes the, the thing I do get the entertainment value and all that. But um, yeah, I, so I, I'm going to go nine innings. I mean, let's play nine and, and address other issues in the yeah, game. I'm, I'm, I, we're unanimous on this one. Um, I, and my reasoning is, is just the same as Bob Costas is in, in this podcast last week. The greatest thing about baseball is that we can look at what's happening today and connect the dots to what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And what you need the games to be nine innings for that to be possible. Uh, I just use, I will use this example all the time of Garrett Cole leading the American League in complete games, one of which was seven innings, the other was five innings on opening night because the game got rained out. Those were his two complete games, and he led the league. Old Hoss Radborn, not in favor of that. <laughs> not at all. Right. Old Hoss Radborn made 502 starts and completed 488. Begs right. the question, what happened in the other 14 starts? How did you not finish them all? What did you get? Did you get hurt? Did you, you get got shot? You got shot. You got run over by a wild boar. Scurvy, I'm convinced. You got scurvy, yeah, all of the above. We got to yes. tweet this at him and find out the answer. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Tim, you just wrote an amazing story uh, about everyone's favorite umpire, Cowboy Joe West. And everybody should read this on ESPN.com. It was a classic. Um, You made Joe West seem likable, which he honestly is in person, right? So two things. First is, how did you convince him to talk to you, to do the story, uh, have lunch with you? And the other thing thing is there's so many incredible joe west stories and anecdotes in this piece i'd love to know what your favorite was well i just asked him can i do this story on you and he said sure i went through major league baseball to make sure i went through all the proper channels i never even got a call back from them so i just went to joe myself saw him out one night and said would you like it i mean could i sit and do a story with you he goes sure that was the end of the mission and I was, I was really surprised. He never got defensive. I asked him some difficult questions, and he never once got angry, defensive, anything. So I was very impressed. And the other thing I was impressed by, I must have talked to 30 guys for this story. And only one said, I'm not talking on the record about Joe West. And then he just pounded <laughs> him off. But every other guy was willing to talk on the record. And, and many of them were relatively positive that maybe they were just being that way because they're still playing and he's still umpiring and they figure if I say something bad he's gonna get me but I was really surprised with how honest some of the players were about him as for the anecdote Joe told me this story he's a great storyteller but he told me the story about the day he called a couple box on Mark Burley. And of course, Ken Harrelson, the broadcaster, the Hawk, is furious and is screaming on the air, Joe West is terrible, he should be fired. Uh Uh-oh. 
Yeah, he called the balk. Mark Burley can't believe it because he's been using that move for as long as he's been in the league. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "What do you do, Joe? Just get over there and umpire, will you?" And then he's telling Nazi to get, you know, he's, he knew that he was going to throw him he's, out he's, a joke. he's becoming a joke is what he's doing. He's becoming a joke to the umpiring profession. So, you know, soon after that, Joe gets cancer of the larynx. And he misses like 17 games. And he comes back and he's doing a White Sox game. And he, after the game is over, Hawk Harrelson barges into the umpire room, which we all know is off limits. He goes into the shower. Joe is uh. taking a shower. He has no clothes on. <laughs> and he runs in there with and grabs Joe West and says, look, I know we hate each other. I know we've never gotten along. But don't you die on me, you son of a bitch like that. And I went, oh, my God. And Hawk and, and Joe West said, we've been best friends ever since. So to me, every Joe West story has an element of love and hate in it. And I think what separates Joe West, I don't think he really cares if you don't like him because he's going to do things the way that he wants to do it. And let's face it, fellas, he's been umpiring for 44 years. He was a good umpire when he got there. He worked at LCS after five years, and he's still a good umpire today. 44 years doing that job. He's going to break an umpiring record that has, has stood for 80 years. So if nothing else, he deserves respect for longevity. Yeah, he was he umpired for like 20 years. Then Doug Glanville came along, had his whole career. He's been out for a decade and a half. Joe's still going. Still going. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I maintain, I'm a little biased on this because on the tiniest level, I umpired a lot of games as a kid. I maintain the average person wouldn't last 10 pitches behind home plate in a major league game. It would be too <laughs> scary. It would be too dangerous. They'd throw up their hands and say, that's enough. And if they ever got hit with a ball, especially in the mask, they would run away and never come back. That's how difficult that job is. Doug, you must have one Joe West yeah, story. Come no. on, you must. I mean, there's there's so many, but um, first of all, I got along great with Joe West. You know, I like Joe West, and um, I think the, you know, early in my career, I slid into second base. It was rookie year, and he was at second, and he says, "Who the hell are you?" You know, that's just how he started. That was my introduction to Joe West, and I said, "I don't know, but hopefully, we'll find out." That's what I told. So um, Joe was just, that was it. And he knew the rule book. I remember I bunted on Boone one time, Aaron Boone, third base. I, I ran out of the running lane, called me out. And I was like, come on. It was like a throw from third. I was like, come on. And uh, he's like, rule book, cited it, you know. So Joe was, you know, someone, I remember Sean Dunstan got along really well with him. And that kind of set the tone for me to, you know, just be open to umpires and just open to, having relationships and respect and and Joe he kind of gave me some tips about him uh, so you know and, and I remember writing after I retired writing an article about umpires I've defended them in many different turns and just tried to humanize their experience and Joe was at a game apparently he read the articles and and uh, was so happy about it I was so surprised that he actually first paid attention and cared but also that he was really interested and so he called me into the the umpires office i met his friends it was one of these country singers was with him <laughs> and uh, it was a, it was awesome so um yeah so joe west was definitely a figure and i understand you know cowboy joe and all the stuff but i i had a great relationship with him talking to him over the years i think he, he does care about the game he loves the game and 
he's not apologetic about it. Basically. <laughs> yeah, look, if, if Joe's umpiring a game, you're going to know that Joe's umpired that game. It just, <laughs> it's just yeah. part of it. But like, I got to know Joe just all the time I've spent hanging around Lakeland, Florida, and spring training. The umpires, like, every game played there, right? So uh, one time I had some innocent question about some umpire issue. So I went onto the website of the Major League Baseball Umpires Association thinking there'd be a phone number I could just call and get an answer. There was no phone number. There was just like down in the little right-hand corner. Of the, it said, contact us. Right? So I clicked on it, and there was a link to send an email. So I said, hey, I just have this quick question. Could you get somebody to call me? An hour later, Joe West calls me. <laughs> I said, Joe, you didn't have to call me over this. It was just this innocent question. I said, I just needed to get in touch with the Umpires Association. He said, I am the Umpires Association. <laughs> and then he talked right. to me for an hour. It was tremendous. So, Well, you know how you do your scenarios of like, if my grandmother and I play uh, Magic Johnson, you know how you do that? So here's my question. So Michael Jordan and Terry Francona, 1994, basketball with another coach and two other players random versus Doug Glanville and four random baseball players. And you play basketball to 10. Who wins that game? Are you playing winners or losers? Are you playing if you make or are you playing full court and and full court, full court basketball up to 10 Jordan and Francona, another coach and two players versus Doug Glanville and four random baseball players Uh, in basketball. Jordan's going to win because Jordan always wins and no one's going to guard him. He's going to touch it on every possession. He's going to block everybody's shot. So Tito, Tito played in a game when he managed the, the Birmingham Barons and they get off the bus one night and they're got, and there's a court right there and there are a bunch of guys playing and they start hooting at Jordan coming off the bus and they say, why don't you come on over here and play you old man or something like that. So Jordan takes Tito and three of the coaches and says, we're going to play now. And Tito said, I'm not playing. We're not playing. I'm in charge of you. You can't get hurt. And still Jordan talked him into it. So Tito tells me, first climb down the court, he sets a screen for Jordan. <laughs> Jordan goes, I don't need a pick. You don't have to give me a pick. I can beat this guy off the dribble. I'm Michael Jordan. So Jordan goes to the basket dunks on a guy, now it gets really heated, and some guy starts chirping at Jordan. Jordan takes him to the rim, dunks on him, and stands over top of him in the lowest pickup game you could possibly, and he's screaming at him. And Tito swears he bent the rim on the dunk, and Tito put up his hands and go, that's it, the game's over. He's going to get hurt here. So Tito actually played a basketball game with Jordan, set a screen for him, ridiculous but if jordan's on the court he beats five baseball players any day as long as he's got five oh. adult four adults <laughs> you, you you don't you're not going to believe what glanville's about to tell you go ahead <laughs> tell the story uh well that, uh, yes oh hold on a second it's the curtis pride game but we're going to let glanville tell it, it. That game actually happened, and we did win. <laughs> we won the game in Arizona Fall League, Scottsdale Community College. He played a pickup game, and the third game, I think Francona had been playing. And so we, we, we had Lyle Mouton and Curtis Pride, so they were legit college players. Right. And, uh, yes, we were tied at the end. Francona took a shot, missed, and I think Curtis Pride eventually went down and got the winning shot. So Jordan then kicked the ball into the rafters up into the ceiling out of frustration. And 
miraculously, I can actually tell you that we actually beat Michael Jordan in pickup Tim, you know this story, right? Yeah, I, I did oh, not. Yeah. Oh, this I, is I, like uh, Tito told this on our on our show, but it's my favorite story that he tells. I'll, I'll send you a link. Right. <laughs> uh, Tito takes the last shot and misses tie game, and Curtis Pride goes down there and wins the game, and so they're just walk they're walking off the court, and Tito hears the basketball rattling off the window at the top of the gym because Jordan kicked it there. And said, I always take the last shot. <laughs> That's a true story. Of course he right. does. I will finish with this, which I shouldn't, which I shouldn't say, but I, they played Yahtzee on every bus trip, okay? And Tito and Jordan, they played for money. So Tito told me once, just once, he says, "I'm playing Yahtzee with Jordan. He's the greatest basketball player ever. He's the richest man in America, and I'm making twenty nine thousand dollars a year." And he's cheating to beat me. <laughs> He can take my money because he can't bear to lose. I cannot believe you won a game against Michael Jordan. But I played with Curtis Pride once. He's great. And Lyle Mouton, you're right. He's a college basketball player. Yeah, so that you. was a little bit rigged there. But, a little rigged. Uh, a little rigged. I'm surprised that Jordan would lose that anything that is truly a competition. It was Terry Francona's yeah. fault. Just remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was Frank Connors. Um, That's unbelievable. Yeah. He, yeah, it's, I'll say, yeah He's it's still amazing. hearing about it. I, I can't believe that there wasn't a full episode of The Last Dance devoted to that. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. But then he'd hunt me down, so I, I got to keep hiding every yeah. time I acknowledge right. this. Doug, we got we to gotta let Tim go. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's got to call yeah, 21 Tim. playoff games between now and dinner. <laughs> yes. Look, Tim? All thank kidding you. aside, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to – not only watch the games, but to, to call a game, every pitch, I'm in on a playoff game. It's so much fun. I can't wait to do it and to repeat it. It's so much more fun when I'm sitting six feet away from a living human being. <laughs> yes, exactly. In my office by myself. Well, we're excited because you fit us into your crazy week and spent 45 minutes with us here on, in Starkville. You're welcome back anytime, man. We'll give you the key to the city. Yes. Well, thanks. It was an honor, seriously, being on with you guys. I wouldn't do this for anyone else today except for you two. And now I got to go back. <laughs> All right. right. Thanks, thanks man. You're the best. Take care. All right, Doug. Time for one of our favorite parts of every podcast. It's listener trivia. Our way of involving you, our favorite listeners, in this show. And because we love everyone who listens, we're now finishing up our third month of literally involving you by inviting you to stump us on this podcast with your trivia questions live. But Doug, I believe we're on a hot streak. How hot are we? Ooh, let's see. Are we smoldering? Is it like three out of four? I think we, I think that, you know, the three wins gets us, you know, I don't know, in a game five series, we're, we're looking good. (laughs) And so, uh, we took a year off, and then we are starting up a new dynasty, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. We've got three out of four right over the last month. So, all right, I think the trivia scoreboard now reads listeners nine, Starkville hosts three. But, mm-hmm. but Doug, okay. if that was the Not good bad. news, here's the bad news. We have a really hard one mm-hmm. this week, really hard question. Yeah. Uh, and it's all the fault of a man who has stumped us before. It's time to welcome mm. back this week's trivia stumper. It's Jimmy Hawkins. Jimmy, welcome back to Starkville. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, now, look, I know you struck us out before the last time you were on the mound. Uh, remind us what the question was last time that you stumped us with. Uh, the last time was the uh, three players with 100 extra base hits in uh, more than one season. Uh, uh, that was a good one, too. Klein, you're, uh, you're not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Klein was a sneaker. Right. Yeah, yeah we're, not, we're yes. not allowing any more Chuck Klein questions, okay? Um, <laughs> look, we get a lot of great questions, so we usually like to spread this around. It's a huge honor, honor to embarrass us live on this show, but we especially loved your question this week. So since we're also big believers in making up the rules as we go along, the, the spread the love around rule, that's out. You're back, okay? So, <laughs> Jimmy, you're welcome. You're yeah, welcome. thanks. Yeah. Now, look, before we get into the question, I also know that you're a Philadelphia sports fan. So here's what else we're going to do for you today. We're going to allow you to vent. Jimmy, how's that Philly sports fan thing working out lately? Oof. Uh, not good. Not- uh, and as a, I'm not allowed to curse on here, am I? Well, it probably would depend on what curse yeah. word you use, but we discourage I, I that. Wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I just, uh, But yeah, that's... Watching this, watching this bullpen all year was not a not very good experience. But you know, what can I right. do? At least, what can you say? At least they didn't have any ties. Yeah. <laughs> right. Every game they 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 managed to lose it before it came to that. Uh, but look, we know your question is not about the Phillies; it's about Juan Soto. So, how'd you come up with that question? Uh, I don't know. I I I look up. Ted Williams is a pretty remarkable player, and it just all of his stats alone are pretty ridiculous. So I just kind of compared his uh, career with what other people have done, and I saw that there wasn't many people that have done what he's done, so I used it as a question. Very good. All right, well, it's an excellent co- question. I'm 100% convinced that we will get it wrong. So let's get it over with. Jimmy, it's time for you to hit us with this week's question. All right, the question is so – Ted Williams has the highest career on-base percentage of all time at 482. Is it since he began his career in 1939, only four players have even had a single season of 482? Is it who are the four players? Now, right, uh, and this was now, inspired by Juan Soto, right? You said, you said Juan Soto. He actually did it this year, so technically, he's the fifth player to do it. Uh, yeah, that was my question. Or okay. other ones besides. Uh, okay, so. Uh, Juan Soto is not one of the answers, and Ted Williams is not one of the answers, no. right? It's the right. other, besides other two. Besides Ted Williams, uh, okay. Juan Soto, as a, when I asked the question, he was he was at 485, but he still had the last game of the season to play. So I think he went two for two that game. So he's right. still over. Um, right. So now he's yeah. an answer. Amazing. But at the time, but there was there was four other ones. Okay. All right. So we got four guys who had a any season of their career with a 482 on base. So, all right, Barry Bonds, obviously one of them. Um, all right, we got three more to get. Um, so, all right, I started by trying to remember something a front office guy told me once. It's actually power that produces on base percentage or fear of power. So I think Mark McGuire, the year he hit 70 – Almost sure he had one that high. Uh, so then who? I have a list. Jeff Bagwell was an on-base machine. Frank Thomas, on-base machine. Boggs, Helton, like that generation. Those would be the four guys. Uh, I thought about Willie McCovey. 
because he used to hold the intentional walk record before Barry came along. Uh, Mickey Mantle, that's yeah, a real possibility. Uh, Stan Musial, more walks than strikeouts in his career. Hank Greenberg is kind of a, a, a sleeper there. Uh, active, the only possibilities would be Trout and Vado, but I don't think so. So, I don't know. I messed with this for a long time. I, I'm sure I'm wrong. Bonds, McGuire. I'm going to go Bagwell and Hank Greenberg. That, that's, those are mine. I'm sure at least half are wrong. Doug, what do you got? Ooh, wow. Well, we usually, we usually put our two heads together. <laughs> I didn't, I, and I didn't even have three of the four anyway. So, uh, wow. Those are tough. So, I, I'm going to go. I mean, I think Bonds is an answer, but I'll pick my four. Let's go Joey Votto, Frank Thomas. How about like Albert Pujols? And I will say Stan Musial. Votto, Thomas, Pujols, Musial, and I guess Bonds, yeah. McGuire, Bagwell, and Greenberg. So we have a question yeah. where you need four answers. We guessed eight. I think we probably <laughs> still got it wrong. I so yeah, so, Trout. I'm worried about and all this, but I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, any any chance we got this right? Uh, you got two of them right. Yeah. Two. Barry for one. Who's Barry, the other one? Uh, Bonds did it four years in a row, actually. Right. Or yeah, in a row. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, Doug got Frank Thomas did it. And then oh, right. you yeah, mentioned, that makes sense. You mentioned Mickey Mantle, but he, he was, he was, no. uh, but he wasn't one of your answers. You didn't mention him, but he, he, he did it I twice. didn't guess him. Uh, right, and twice. then okay. the fourth guy is Norm Cash did it in. Oh, my God. Norm. The cash man. Now that is a stumper. Norm Cash. That's a good one. Norm He was cash, the Todd Helton yeah. of his day, but except his day was 60 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, well, he did, wow. uh, he did it in 61, and there was a couple uh, a couple Yankees that year. He had a pretty good year. It kind of yeah. shadowed him. Yeah, they did. Mantle and Maris, I believe, would be the names. Yeah. You know, you know, Doug, I, I don't even feel that bad about this one because it was no, that's almost a tough impossible. One. It's great. It's just like it's just always good to remind ourselves that we do have an amazing <laughs> talent for finding a way to get pretty much every question wrong. It's just yeah, this is this is yeah. Even with two two heads coming together, yeah, it doesn't you matter. Guess twice as many answers as the actual answer. Still <laughs> still miss six of them. <laughs> oh man! But whatever. If you listen regularly, you know it doesn't matter if we get the question right or wrong. We still bring in the mayor of Starkville, Mayor Tim, to play some cool audio clip. That has something to do with our question. Let's call in the mayor. Mr. Mayor, um, what do you got for us today? So the original inspiration for the question was Ted Williams. So we're going to go with Ted Williams. But when you look at these single season records for OBP, Bonds is number one and two with 2002 and 2004. Um, But beyond that, the number three guy, in a lot of ways you could probably consider it still the number one guy, is Ted Williams. And he did it in 1941 when he posted a 553 on base percentage as a 22-year-old. Now, this play didn't contribute to that mark because it was at the All-Star game, but it was one of the great moments of that season. Bottom of the ninth inning, American League down by a run, two on in the 1941 All-Star game. That's all pitches. Williams swings as a high drive going deep. Look to be a National League whip into an American League seven to five win. 
the ninth inning of the All-Star game, Ted Williams was still in the game. <laughs> Things have right. changed, Walk Doug. off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd want to see him hit all game, too. Yeah. Why not, you know? like, now, like, Makes... If that were now, they, they, like it would be some outfielder on the Royals, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But Ted Williams played the whole game. Uh, that was just magical to hear that. Uh, Jimmy, tremendous question. Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, but since we never get your questions right, I don't like your chances of being invited back a third time next week. <laughs> but thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining right, thanks, us. Thanks for having me again. I remember next week, this could be you asking us a question and just reveling in the special thrill of having us extend our trivia losing streak. We'll tell you how to do that a little later in the pod. But first, one thing we try to do in this segment is use the trivia question to inspire a fun topic for the show. So, Doug, I think we need to talk about Juan Soto. I've been telling people for a while, he's Ted Williams. Jimmy Hawkins got that memo. People would laugh at me. But seriously, we've now had a trivia question that compares him to Ted Williams. So I'm curious. You tell me. Who does he remind you of? He reminds me of Juan Soto. That's what's scary. (laughs) He is, uh, wow. I mean, I think, you know, you talk about the age. And, you know, he's 21 years old and is able to do things that you say Ted Williams' name in that sentence. That's just unfathomable. And But just the, you know, you knew right away that he had this ability to command the strike zone with power, with accuracy. And I think in some ways the pandemic with 60 games cheated us of seeing a full Juan Soto because, you know, I know he missed early on missed a couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. And then the idea of what this guy could do in a full healthy season – I mean, he, you know, he was already amazing. And then just to know that the postseason of 2019 propelled him to a place where he was, you know, had a season this season, hit 351. And obviously the, you know, 490-ish on base percentage. Uh, and, and that comes with the discipline, the power, but the respect already. The pitchers, you know, he had 12 intentional walks in a year that the National League had a DH, by the way. Okay, so <laughs> this is, Wow. So the league knows this, and they've known that, and they you know they they've gotten over the fact that oh he's young and all these other things. I mean he just is like Miguel Cabrera came on the scene. You just knew watching this guy hit that there's something special about him, and uh, I I mean I, I look forward to his full career and the kind of numbers he could put up if he can stay healthy. Yeah, uh, here's my case for why he's Ted Williams. Nine seventy two career OPS his age 21 season 972 he's got 69 homers 228 walks so there's only two players who had that good an ops and that good a walk and homer rate through age 21 for guys who gotten any playing time at all and they are ted williams and juan soto and doug juan soto actually has a higher home run and walk rate through age 21 than Ted Williams, right? So last week in my awards column, I typed that Juan Soto is the most gifted offensive player in the sport. And as I'm typing it, I'm thinking, I can't believe I just wrote that about a guy who's 21 years old. 228 walks for Juan Soto through age 21. Doug Glanville's whole career, 208 walks. He's already passed (laughs) it. Oh (laughs) Oh my God. He'll lap me many times. (laughs) 
<laughs> many, many times is right. Uh, all right, Doug, we normally wind up the show with our favorite strange but true moments. Uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes, but here's what I think we should do first because it's wild card series week. Let's pick the first round winners. Okay, well, I'll let you pick the AL, then I'll do the same, then we'll do NL. Are you ready, my friend? We'll just try to zip through these. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I I had to submit a, a prediction sheet, so I, I got to stick with it. Okay. I don't know what we said. And remember, we had a playoff show way back in the beginning of the year. Uh, I don't we remember did. what I said, but it doesn't matter. Um, that, that, that's like fine. Those, those are just words. They, they yeah, they're just they, words. No, no, they're, they've drifted off into the ozone. Nobody could possibly find them. <laughs> yes, it's our yes. story. And we're we thought to it. We, we didn't know there'd be sixteen teams. That was we did. Thing. Right. All right. So, so uh, all right. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Indians. Yep. Yankees. Who you got? Uh, Indians. Really? I, I've got I got Yankees. Uh, I would want no parts of the Yankees in a series like this. Uh, Bieber. Rays. That's all I'm saying. Bieber. <laughs> I know. Against Cole. Uh, Rays and Blue Jays. Rays. Yeah. Built for the built for a postseason like this. Yeah. It's all that pitching They're depth. Dominant. Uh, yep. White Sox and A's. White Sox. Really? I've got A's on this one. Uh I don't know. You tell me why you like White Sox. They look just kind of banged up and worn out to me at the end. Well, I like the short series pitching possibilities. They, although they, they're missing some pieces, but right. then best of three and their offense, oof, that's a nightmare. Yeah, they didn't hit down this stretch, though. They True. did not. Uh, all right, Twins against Astros. I picked the Twins. Yeah, yeah. Their, their offense is crazy. Yeah. Do you know, they're like after everybody got healthy in September, Best team in baseball. Best record in baseball. Astros yeah. 10 and 17 in September. I I think the Twins have a shot to make a run. All right, let's do the NL. Cubs, Marlins. I have the Cubs. I think I, I like their, their pitching. And I know their offense has been pretty strong, you know, horrible for the most part. But they showed some life against the White Sox. I think that was a big series going in. To the postseason, so Marlins amazing season. I, I don't know. I don't see them going deep, but anything's possible. <laughs> it, it, it is. I, I don't, but I don't see all these upset picks of Marlins over Cubs. Um, I mean, we we mentioned this with Timmy. Uh, the Marlins lost four games by double figures in September and had a minus forty one run differential. I, like I just think there's a sense of purpose on the Cubs. I, I don't I don't see that upset. Braves Reds. Good one. That's uh, that's my upset. I'm picking the uh, the Reds on this one. Mm. Cincinnati Reds, yeah. I, everybody's picking the Reds. Uh, I got Braves. Everybody is? Really? I, I, I've okay. seen a lot of Reds picks. I, I, I think we're sleeping on the Braves, man. One of the best lineups in the sport. Really good pen. If Max Fried's okay, I, they'll, they'll have enough pitching to get through this. Uh, oh, they're a great team. Yeah, really good. Uh, Dodgers, Brewers. Dodgers. going down. They're, they're, they're just tough. I mean, yeah. I know they're bullpen questions, but wow, what a team! Yeah, and I, loaded. You know, we, we kind of touched on this with Tim too, but it would it'd be a really bad thing for this sport for a team like this to get up uh, to get upset by a team like the Brewers in a round that didn't even exist until they needed money. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, well, maybe that would be eye opening to the world. Like baseball's yeah, tough, yeah, and, may, and that they may protect against it. For the future, yeah, I, th- because, I thought this. If if the yeah. Dodgers were to lose to a team that was never over five hundred and finished fourth, uh, I, like yeah, that would bad. be a good lesson for everybody. But I don't, I don't <laughs> want to learn it that way. Right. right exactly. Finally, Cardinals, 
Padres. Uh, I got the Padres. These they're they're exciting. I think they're gonna. I think they're going to do some damage this postseason. I see them going really far. Wow, this is actually my upset special. And I I, I, I really want to see the Padres make a run. But, you know, with the injuries to Clevenger and Lamette, uh, I, I, it worries me. I think they could be in trouble if those guys can't make the impact that you would have expected two weeks ago. Uh, so I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, that's my upset special. Yeah, good one. All right, one more thing. Strange but true. Uh, We've been doing this all year. We do our favorite strange but true moments of every week. But I think this week, because the season just ended, we should do our favorite strange but true moments of the season. And uh, Doug, I know you got a classic. Uh, We love it not just because it was so bizarre, but because it reminds us of another bizarre play from yesteryear. So let's go back to August 9th, Angels against the Rangers, Joe Adele. We love Joe Adele, but not this day. He was patrolling right field for the Angels. And then this happened. This in the air out to right field. Adele was in, angling back. He gets there. Whoa! And he just right over the fence like a setter in volleyball (laughs) he just pushed it right over i've seen balls go off heads jose canseco canseco back to the track look it up it is off his head it looked like and over the top (laughs) a home run and canseco goes back to the wall he looks like he's you know he's checking the wall he's checking the ball it's him right there he goes over the top Boink! That is excellent production uh, work by Mayor Tim. That is really uh, just the call alone. Uh, yeah, uh, both of up. them, but like the, the whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, I mean that's 2020. That that just sums it up yeah. right there. Whoa! What in the world is that? We're making up stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, perfect. Uh, like I'm, you yeah. know, I'm still not sure why that was ruled a four base error instead of a homer. <laughs> like we argued about this. For that's what I love. Hour. Yeah, that's what I love. That's that's the cherry on top. The the scoring. Um, well, you know, I, uh, we've seen the birth of all kinds of things we we could never imagine in baseball. The seven inning game, the ghost runners, the two run leadoff home runs, the two up three down innings, and of course, my personal favorite, the four base era, the four base era. And you know, keep in mind when Joe Adell did that. It was ruled a home run at first. And I happened to be in studio on ESPN and I was ranting on the <laughs> set. And I got to cover it live in two segments about how this needs to be a four base error. Okay. Let's I don't care if rule book you need to address this. This was completely catchable. <laughs> completely. And it wasn't like he was jumping at the wall. He was like halfway in the warning track. He, he did like a Martina Navratilova like backhand over the fence. Like, I mean, so you know, I you know he lost the ball in the rafters. You know, I look, I get it. I've made my share of errors, but I think the uh, the fact that it was so unusual, how he did it, and then the scoring was a disaster, and they had to go back and change it. 
and it's a four base error. So I'm thinking like the you know hitting the ball. It uh, was a Nick Solak. Yeah, you know he hits the ball, and then you're always thinking, well, whatever the fence, that's a home run. And then his emotional roller coaster of you know what we always do. You you look up and there's a, a debatable play, right? You get to first base, you're like it's a hit or an error, and you don't want to be selfish, so you don't you want to peek at the scoring, but you ask the first baseman, what they give me, man? What they give me was a hit or an error. He was in the dugout when they had to figure this one out because he'd taken his trot around the bases. I mean, total chaos. Yeah. So I I love that yeah, play. Just such a, and, and such so, a what just happened moment. Yeah. And, like, uh, like that's what we're that's what we're looking for here. <laughs> it was just a what just happened season, as you just said. So um, I've got one. And it's timeless, and it's timeless, man. Yeah. It, it, it's what just happened today. When what just happened in the future, and then when you go back in time and see it, you're gonna be like, "What just happened?" You have no idea in per, fast, yeah. past, present, or future. Like crazy, any, anything that happens that makes you think about Jose Canseco getting a home run off his head, <laughs> like it's that's a that automatically goes to the top of the list. And I don't think I can top that, Doug. But I do have a like a just an incredible what just happened moment. This was from August 26th in Milwaukee. Nick Castellanos was hitting for the Reds. The bases were loaded. Let's hear what happened next. A liner into right field. That's a base hit. Galvis coming home, and the throw gets there wow. in time. Oh, no. He's safe at home, and now Narvaez. <laughs> bases were loaded. If the foot's on the plate, he's out. Yeah, because it's a force. <laughs> it's you, don't, a, you don't have to tag. Yeah, Ben Gamble. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's out at home. Right, right. <laughs> oh, what worked by Gamble? Umpire forgot. It was a force. The umpire forgot. Oh, no. Like another <laughs> epic call. It's just because that was that kind of play and that kind of year. Just to explain this, our base is loaded. Nick Castellanos hits a ball. According to StatCast, it comes down 253 feet from the batter's box. And Ben Gamble's in right field, and he fields it on one bounce, and he throws out Freddie Galvis at the plate for a force out. 9-2 <laughs> in your scorecard. What? Like, you're thinking, I've never seen that before. It's tremendous. So, uh, just to make sure that we've never seen it before, I had I'd, I'd talked to my friend our friend, Mark Simon, over at Sports Info Solutions, and they looked into this. They had to look at all balls hit in the air over the last decade, but, Doug, how many force outs at the plate you think that they found on a ball that was hit that far? Zero. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course not. Like, I, I have honestly never seen that before. And, I, like, any time I can say that, I love it. But, Doug, have you ever seen that before? A ball hit that far and there's a force at the plate? I mean, I mean, like I said, the only thing, I mean, if you, I mean, going back, you know, if you're in a scenario where you're going back and tagging up or something, but then on that kind of play, you'd be, you wouldn't be doing that. I mean, why would you, any <laughs> outfielder who catches it, you're out by a mile. So you kind of think you're already kind of halfway. And so I, I don't know what possibly was going through his head, <laughs> but um but yeah, that I mean that is that is bananas. I mean, I'm trying to think of the hitter. You know, you hit the ball and you just kind of you know you lost a hit. You just got a fielder's choice at home plate on a ball you hit 250 feet down in right field. Yeah, total mess. Yeah. Now we had so many yeah. great choices for this because it oh. was the strangest season ever. But these are two that just they just make us shake our head, make us laugh, and that's what we did all season. That's exactly what we try to do with this podcast. So they were. Perfect. 
All right, that's going to do it for another fun edition of Starkville. Let's remind you again, Starkville is now available in its entirety, absolutely free, everywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and follow Starkville on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, now on Amazon, pretty much everywhere you find your podcasts. And of course, you can still find us at the Athletic app and the Athletic website. And if you'd like to read our work, there's no better sports writing being done anywhere than in The Athletic. So if you thought about subscribing, we are still offering an incredible special, just $1 a month. So check us out, especially with the postseason starting up. You'll be happy that you did. Also remember, you can be part of this podcast like Jimmy Hawkins today. We now, for some reason, are continuing to invite the listener who submits the most fun trivia question of the week to join us here on the podcast and prove once again there is almost no baseball trivia question Doug and I can't totally whiff on. To be part of it, you can email us your question at starkvilleattheathletic.com or you can do what most people do, tweet it at us. How would they tweet a question at Doug Glanville, for instance? Oh, just at my name, at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Well, you don't have to spell out my whole name, just at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. That's Jason with a Y-S-T. Please remember, hashtag the questions, hashtag StarkvilleQS. Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Tim Kirkshin for visiting us. Thanks to Jimmy Hawkins for stumping us with his question. Thanks to our mayor. Tim McMaster for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. We will see you soon on Starkville. Starkville.